Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ken Fallon. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you the story of my first trip to the States. And bear with me, there's a reason for this. I learned an awful lot. Um, the first thing I learned was that you should always travel with your own travel itinerary, with your own plane tickets, with uh, the address of the hotel that you're going to be in. Uh, when you're in the States, just because it looks like a movie set doesn't necessarily mean it is. A construction worker might actually be a construction worker and not an undercover FBI agent. And I also learned that there's more than one way of driving a car. Vis-a-vis, I don't like automatics. The first, I've been to the States a good few times since then and uh, I have adjusted to these things. But uh, the first time I arrived, I landed in Kansas City and the person I was traveling with uh, was stopping over at New York. So I had two days uh, in Kansas City to kill, basically. Um, and we were going to be taken out in Kansas City by work colleagues, so I didn't see there was a whole lot of point in me going downtown myself. So I took out the map after breakfast, which was early because I had jet lag, and I looked on the map and I saw uh, two things. One was Tulsa, and you all know the song, I'm only 24 hours from Tulsa, and Oklahoma, one of my father's favorite musicals. So... I decided, well, it's only that far on the map. I should hire a car and go down that far. Um, that was another thing I learned that day was that far on the map is relative. Anyway, I picked up the phone, contacted reception, asked them if they could put me through to the local car hire place, which they did. Asked the car hire dude, was there any problem uh, renting a car with an international driver's license? He answered... Do you have a major credit card, sir? I said, Visa. He said, I foresee no problems. And indeed, there was no problems. When I got to the uh, car hire place, they, he had, uh, well, it was relatively early in the morning, and there was no one around. So he also had upgraded me to some nice car, a real uh, sportsy type car. I have no idea what the model was now. However, it was parked right outside the um, you know, the big bay window of the car hire place. And so I did my thing, driver's license, photocopied everything, signed all the forms, got all the insurance, everything was hunky-dory, and he gave me the keys and said, okay, there's your car, it's right outside. So sat in the car, put my rucksack in on the seat and uh, proceeded to turn it on. Now, I hadn't fallen for the old, the steering wheel is on the wrong side trick because I had driven left and drive cars before around Europe so this that wasn't anything new to me so I looked in and I saw the steering wheel uh, under the steering wheel that there was only two pedals I was going either somebody stolen a pedal or this is an automatic so figured it was an automatic had a look P D N okay I can get all these things park drive reverse neutral I guess uh, the one two and three probably means you know first second and third gear if you're if you want traction okay fair enough Sat down, this couldn't be too difficult, turned on the ignition, doing, 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 which on a side note is incredibly annoying. So, okay, I'd seen enough movies to know, seatbelt on, click, grand, turned on the car, nothing happens. Okay, um, I think it's supposed to be in 
P. Okay, so put it in P, try it again, nothing happens. So I put it into uh, N, perhaps you have to have it in neutral, okay. Uh, turn the key, nothing happens. So try all the gears, nothing happens. Begin to get a little bit flustered, because I'd done this, took the key out, maybe there was a burglar alarm thing that I needed to turn on. All these thoughts going through my head. Meanwhile, time is passing, more people are coming into the shop, or into the car hire place, and they're right in front of me and sort of after a while people are looking out you know and you can hear them it's gone you can see them going is that guy okay so i take out the map put it over the windscreen so that nobody could see me and i got really lost my temper and during that i put my foot on the brake and the car started so a minor simple thing you have to have it in uh in what is it neutral or park park i think and you have to foot on the brake is the thing that starts the car now there are probably millions of people listening to this who are uh, well <laughs> there are millions of people in the states who know that they just they just know that i didn't because i had not i was not accustomed to that now there you might say there's not a major difference between driving a stick shift and driving a um an automatic and there isn't so why was i having so many problems with this you know especially when i'm uh you know a qualified engineer and relatively technical in you know since then my brother has a um, hydraulic uh, digger you know one of these caterpillar things with uh, the arm that goes up and a mechanical digger and i sat in that thing and i had no problem driving that thing i had no clue i'd never experienced this before you know there's joysticks and there's pedals on the ground and there's pedals uh, handle pedals that you have to have and i had less problem driving that than i had driving an automatic car and you would think that there was you know it was a bigger change and of course the reason for this is that when i was driving the digger I had no perception of what it was going to be like. So I asked my brother, okay, what do I need to do? How do I make it go forward and backward? How do I, you know, revolve it left and right? How do I make the, the you know, the, the shovel work? So I asked these questions. And, you know, if we look at, uh, if we take this user experience thing and what people perceive from a desktop or from an interface, uh, and we take that to, say, Linux, for instance, then, you know, that sort of goes a long way to explain why a lot of people don't have problems with the Linux interface. Take my wife, for instance. My, my, all my kids use Linux every day without problem. My mother-in-law, her partner passed away, and I switched her from uh, Windows to Linux. And, you know, that's, it's been months. I haven't, I haven't heard from her. Uh, I see her, you know, her name come up on the instant message thing. So she's using it every day. We get emails. She checks her, her websites. She does her tax online and she's, she's just using Linux. Okay. I mean, completely on technical user. Why is this possible? On the other hand, my wife has gone from using whatever desktop I happen to be in at, at the moment on whatever distro she's, she's used. She's probably used more distros and desktops than Linus Torvalds has. And yet, you know, 
if I ask her who Linus Torvalds is, she, her answer is, he's that Linux dude. And from her point of view, and I, I know this was discussed on, on the, the Linux Link Tech Show, but for, from her point of view, Linux is just a, the computer is just a tool. She'll go and she wants to know where her email is and her uh, and the web is. Now, I have since then switched to Debian and, of course, forgot that, uh, you know, it's now Ice Dove and Ice Weasel. So I went off to work and I came back and then I realized that I hadn't told her. And she, I said, oh, you're in your email and and, uh, the web browser. She says, yeah, I had a a look around to see if I could get it going. I said, oh, you've already printed. Yeah, I had had a look around to see how I could get it going and it just came up by itself. So that was fine. And... You know, that to me means, yes, the the desktop is absolutely 100% ready. And, you know, this is for somebody who could care less, really could care less. And, you know, to Beth Lynn, I would say, yes, there are definitely people out there who could care less about Linux. I'm, I'm, of course, happy that she is running Linux, but from her point of view, she is into other things like uh, handicapped kids, people with uh, hearing disabilities, the whole social thing and yeah i'm I'm glad she is so why then do we continue to hear from people that linux isn't ready for the desktop and linux is too complicated now i'd like to hazard to hazard a guess at this one taking my experience from driving that automatic car in the states i have the feeling that i brought to that the perceptions of how it should work and I got frustrated when it didn't work exactly like I thought it should, or it didn't act like I, I thought it should. Which is why I think power users, Windows power users, are coming to the the Linux environment or the Unix environment have a lot more problems because you're bringing all this baggage with you. And I say this because I have been a Windows admin, and I know how tough it is. So. If there's one thing that I'll say as the airplane goes overhead is be prepared to ask questions. Don't be ashamed that you don't know everything. So is that all we can learn from this experience? Ken's first trip to the States? Well, no. For one thing, the auto industry is a fantastic analogy for us to explain some of the more complex, more difficult to, under, to, more difficult to grasp concepts to uh, new people. For example, you can say that the that the kernel is like an engine in your car. You've got a diesel engine, FreeBSD for instance, you've got a um, a gas and gas turbine engine, might be open Solaris, and you've got a Linux engine, a turbo powered jet engine or whatever. The GNU tools are is the auto manufacturer that makes the nuts and bolts, the brakes, all the boring bits that help to assemble the car. The distros themselves are just a brand name of a car. So, for instance, you're, it's essentially a car with a petrol engine. or a, um, So, uh, a VW car is the same as a Toyota car in that it's got a an engine, a steering wheel, but the indicators might be on the r- different side, the brake pedal might look different, dash might look different, seats might be a little bit different. So, essentially, it's the same concept. But a distro is the car. And just to finalize all of that, wouldn't it be a very, very sad world that 
if now, over 100 years after the automobile has been invented, if we were all still driving a Model T. With that, I'll leave you. Thank you very much for listening, and tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Republic Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.